0: Today on the show, we're talking about the cost of having kids. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. You're, today, you're joined today with co host Courtney and Trevor. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast. Today on the show, we're talking about family planning and the cost of having children.
1: So this is a 25-part episode, which sounds really big, 25 parts, but we, we found an article that really intrigued us. It was I, I'm going to bring this up every time for every episode, but it's 25 things that poor people do that rich people don't, and I thought it was really a negative slant on the uh, the tone of the article. So we're going to spin each topic. So the topic of in in the article was, um, so 25 things poor people do that rich people don't. They don't have birth control. That's that's just what it said. And the thing I don't like about Uh, things not to do list is it, 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 okay, it tells you the pitfalls in life to avoid, but it doesn't tell you what to do. It just tells you what not to do. So you could have a a list of 10 things of not to do and still not succeed in life. But if you had one or two things you should do, that that could be a game changer. So I'm a a big fan of looking at it from positive So we've reframed this as successful people engage in family planning. And I, I think... It's important to to look at at having a family and have a, a family planning strategy.
0: So anyone who's been with us for a while, you might remember that we did a show a while ago on the cost of having children where I fought, Trevor, tooth, tooth and nail on the fact that there is a cost that has to be accounted for. And I mean, we're going to, if that show was a while ago, so we're going to kind of revisit it today. Um, through a fresh lens and in relation to this episode. And we, um, a while ago, we actually received um, one of you, uh, one of our listeners wrote in, um, Spencer. Uh, He wrote in, they are, they were um, expecting their first child. So congratulations, Spencer, if you're listening. Um, um, And really great questions that he wrote in with us on. And they really, he really kind of asked questions around, um, what changes should we be making now and what should stay the same? What's a rough outline of changes in expenses as children go up? And of course, what hidden or surprise expenses should we be planning for that we might not have thought of yet? Um, so I'll, hopefully we'll be able to kind of answer some of these questions throughout today's episode with the content that we'll be talking about today. Um, all really great questions. And I'm, I'm excited to learn from Trevor, who is, an, who is a father himself.
1: Yeah, so I'm a father. Of, I have three children. So, and I had a set of twins right out of the gate. So I started with twins.
0: You're an expert.
1: <laughs> Why well, would call it, every parent is an expert when they're done being a parent? But I, I, I think I have some wisdom under my belt.
0: So, um, I, I want to kind of lead in by talking about kind of the negative slanted view that Trevor mentioned earlier that we were are moving away from. So. In looking at this in the original tone of the article, it said that kids need good education, decent clothing, shelter, and access to quality health care. These require a lot of money. The irony is that while many poor people give birth without restraint, the rich are the ones who pay attention to having fewer kids. This is how poor people continue to recycle a generation of poverty. I I don't like this at all.
1: No, I don't like the tone of that. But I will say that the one thing I pulled out of there is there's one thing you can do in having a family is you can create legacies. And these are things that you can start a legacy or you can continue a, le- a family legacy. And I'll get, a, a common legacy is post-secondary education, like higher education. You can either start that legacy with your children or if you were fortunate enough to be uh, given an education by your parents, then you can continue that legacy making sure your children get that higher education. And that that's a... Um, so rather than say that poor people continue to recycle generations of poverty, you could recycle legacies uh, from one generation to the next. And and the way you make a legacy work is you, you. so I told my children the opportunities I was given and the opportunities they are going to get. And if you just focus on, you know, this is what I, I'm giving you or this is what I'm giving you, but go back a generation for your child and show them that it, it, their grandfather was also given the opportunity of education and he in turn gave it to me and I'm giving it to you. Show them how the legacy has transpired. And if one doesn't exist, I'm using higher education, then as you're preparing your child for post-secondary education, invite them to produ- to start the legacy. Like tell them that I'm starting with you and you're going to, pass this legacy on to your children. So legacies are great things. And when you hear, when I heard that my grandfather had received a higher education, and so did my father, and so did I, there was no way any of my kids were not going to continue that. I wasn't going to be the end of the line, I can tell you that.
0: And so higher education is a fantastic legacy to want to pass on to you, your children, and then for them to pass on to their children. But an example, of think, of a legacy that I'm not sure is, is, is in the same area in which you're talking about is, say, purchasing your child's first home. Is that, is that an example of something that could be within the legacy realm?
1: You know, I'm not a big fan of handing down large sums of money from one generation to another. I, I think, so, so just say that legacy, did, just say somebody bought me my house, then I obviously would have a lot of capital freed up, or I should to do the same thing for my child so it'd be a tough legacy to start like you would have to really uh fall into a lot of wealth to in the, the way the housing market is today like four or five hundred thousand dollars is what it would take to pass that like that, that that's a big legacy but if you if it was if you were given that legacy somebody bought you your first home and i'm not suggesting this is a legacy you I, start, I just but a but thing. just say you did then you you would have no good reason to not do the same right? Unless you unless you were an only child and you had, yourself, you had five children. This is an example of family planning. If you know that's a legacy you have to do because it's been done for you know, generations, you're not going to have five children because, you know, you're not going to buy five houses at $400,000 a pop, right? Like It's a legacy you can't manage. So this is where you would, your family planning would, okay, I think it's an outrageous, legacy. But if it was, this would come into your family planning strategy.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not at all suggesting that is I just I obviously I think education is a great thing to pass on. We we are today just to kind of give an overview of what we're, we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about child raising cost myths because this one's huge. And we're going to be talking about the cost consideration of having children. That's kind of the really the core of to today's episode. But I want to circle back around to this family legacy. And we can also look at it. In the opposite way, as as in there are things that we don't want to pass down. You know, down. let's let's
1: go to cars. Yeah, that's a good. That, one. That's a little more realistic. You're, 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 your kid's first car.
0: It's it's real. It's it's almost. I want to say not realistic, but it's something that's very tangible.
1: So, and you could go at this a couple of ways. You could you could buy your child their first car. You could loan your child the money for their first car. So it'd be an interest free loan. It's it's hard to get approved for a car loan at, at a young age. So those are a couple of things you could do. I'm a I'm a fan, like, so, so I, just for the record, I ne- I did not buy my children their first cars, but I, I know people that have. And those kids, they tend to get the car at age 16. And I think it, one of the flaws I've seen in that one, and I'm not judging anybody who does it, but they tend to, they, so there's a lot of responsibility to owning a car, make, making sure it's maintained properly, making sure it's, it's, winterized in the winter and, and snow tires changed out. Now, there's a lot, there's a lot of responsibility to owning a car. And I think if you give a kid a car at 16, I don't think it's realistic to put those responsibilities on a 16 year old because it's probably just not going to happen the way you want it to happen. And they end up getting this false sense of what car ownership is all about, right? They think it's just a case of driving it, right? And And that's it. They don't understand all the care and maintenance and costs that go into owning and operating a car.
0: No, that's a very fair point around that one, and I, I, it's and that that's again if we circle back around the education, that's why I think that one is a very it's 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 a good one I think. And for you, so you you have you have a family, you have kids. When you when you went to start a family, was that something that you knew you're going to pass down, and maybe wanted to be? Was there any math involved, I guess, in determining? At what point they would be 18 entering post-secondary and making sure everything lined up.
1: Well, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I I had lined up my mortgage to be paid off the year my twins started post-secondary education. So I I was able to cash flow their education. The money that I was using to aggressively pay down my mortgage went into paying for their tuition and and living expenses at school. So it, it was strategically mapped out.
0: And that's a really good motivation to get that house paid off.
1: It, it was. And, and I didn't, like, I, I, it wasn't that scientific. I, once we had children, we, we quickly looked ahead and say, okay, at 18, they're going to be going off to school. Uh, a 25-year mortgage isn't going to work, right? Like, we, we knew that that math wouldn't work. So we come up with a strategy to, to make it work.
0: So it sounds like that the house was purchased prior to the kind of the math, math, making sense.
1: Yeah, we we bought we were bought a house with the mindset of paying it off in 15 years.
0: So going in that makes sense. And the other the other thing about legacy too I think is important to mention is that I'm sure there's also the flip side where there can be things that you want to not pass forward from from that you maybe saw in your parents that you don't want to pass forward to your children.
1: So I grew up where Exercise and healthy eating was not a priority. I grew up in that environment, and and I, I, looked like somebody who didn't get a lot of exercise and didn't eat a lot of healthy food as a as a child and a young teenager, and uh, that was a legacy I was not going to impose on my children. So, I I believe I started a legacy of of healthy eating. Exercise is important. Mindset. And all for the record, all three of my children practice those things to this very day.
0: That sounds like, you know, that's a very good legacy to pass on. So I want to jump now into talking about the child raising cost myths. We have a we have a good list here of of things that we we might not believe to be true um, or, or things that maybe are commonly held to, to that are commonly believed to be true. So the first one is don't let life happen to you.
1: So if you don't engage in family planning and you just have children, they just randomly appear, <laughs> you, you, you're letting life just happen to you and you're letting it happen to you in a big way. I mean, having a, an unplanned child can be a huge burden. And having a child, I, I've seen this where, so I had my children at, at a relatively young age. I see people having children, and I'm not judging people, but I see people having children in their 40s. And I look at I was dealing with teenagers in my 40s. I was dealing with teenagers while I was in my 40s. And I I seem to, I think I dealt with them well. Teenagers are challenging. They look like adults, they they measure up physically like adults, but mentally they're not there yet. And that's scientifically proven, right? I'm not I'm not criticizing teenagers. but you 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 tend as a parent you look at them and you expect them to do adult-like things because every once in a while they do (laughs) but then every once in a while they'll have a a lapse in judgment and something will go terribly wrong and as a parent you got to be there to that happens more often than not so I, i i look at people who had children in their 40s and they're dealing with with um teenagers in their 60s or or late 50s and that is I've watched it, and they do not have the energy they do not have the energy to deal with the if parenting is really just a you being there to correct behavior to correct something your child did that was did not fit in with societal expectations but that's parenting in a nutshell, other than okay, you have to keep them alive, so safety comes first, but after that, you're just trying to you're trying to create an obedient citizen of the world, who who understands what's acceptable behavior and unacceptable behavior within society, different settings, but in general, there's things you do and things you don't do. And if you don't have the energy to be there, and you can't be, an, like you have to be there to make the corrections. And if you're in your late 50s and you don't have the energy to make those corrections, things can go bad in a hurry. Like, so I, I just, so again, if you just let life happen to you and you have children, I'm going to say when you're least prepared to deal with children. I.
0: I... No, that's uh, that's definitely fair. And I, I mean, any any older adult with children listening to this right now, I, I, think, I think Trevor and I both commend you for the energy that that takes.
1: Now I will say, you know, the, 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 there's, People are living longer now, right? And, and we're in we're in better health than we were. So maybe maybe forty is the new thirty. Maybe if my children have children in their forties, that would be the equivalent of me having children in my thirties. So maybe maybe this is is shifting, but that you still need to be deliberate about having children.
0: And in saying that. And kind of to address um, some of the questions that Spencer asked in his, uh, his write-in to us was when kind of that pre, pre-child pre phase to having children, what was, I'm kind of veering off what we were going to talk about, but how, wh- what were kind of the biggest changes that that happened kind of in that initial stage?
1: Well, it he, he kind of, you.
0: just Just in terms of letting life happen to you, like just yeah. being present for that
1: you really, you, you go from caring about yourself and and maybe your spouse or your life partner. And those are really the only two things that matter. You know, you obviously care about your parents and your siblings, but when you have a child, you all, there's, I've heard this expression, you know how I love expressions. When you have a children, when you have a child, your heart lives outside of your body for the rest of your life. You know, you, you, you are very vulnerable. Like, that there is nothing you wouldn't do for your child. So it, it becomes, it, you don't matter anymore. Just your children do. It's an instinct thing. You can't, this, this is something you learn. This is something that just happens to you the minute you have a child.
0: And I, I, this is, the, my next question is going to bleed into the next chi- uh, child raising cost myth. And so I'll ask my question and then I'll read the next thing too because I hopefully they'll blend together. But how much pre kind of pre number crunching did you and your wife do to figure out if, 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 if right then was the time to start a family?
1: Well, yeah, I don't think you can do math on having a family because it'll always come out that you shouldn't because <laughs> the, the math will never make sense. Right. Cause there is no payback, right? There's no other than one of them might pick out your nursing home. There is no payback in this, right? It's, there's no justification, mathematical formula. There's no spreadsheets. You either want children or you don't. And I will say, in my early 20s, I, I, I remember people say they'd start to, you know, people you work with, and relatives that ask you if you're thinking about having kids, and I was saying, I'm never having kids. Like, never. But all of a sudden, a, a, a light goes off, right? This this thing goes off in your head, and all of a sudden, you you want this family, right? It, it just it just happens. You can't turn it off. In fact, if it didn't happen, the human race, it left to 20-year-olds, the human race would die off, would have died off a long time ago. So you, you can't, it, it's something you can't really turn off.
0: I, 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 and I will
1: say, once you're a parent, and I, you never stop being a parent. It's not like you can turn off the parenting switch when your kids move out. You're it's you will find something to parent. If your kids won't let you parent them, and your life partner won't let you parent them, you'll get a dog or a cat and parent that. Like the parenting switch cannot be turned off.
0: I I, I like that because it kind of had a high level overview. How, starting a family if, for for anyone who that light hasn't squished squished for it doesn't really make sense.
1: No, no, it, and it shouldn't. And go with that as long as it doesn't make sense. Don't let anyone talk you into it. Making sense.
0: See, and I I like that point, and this this really bleeds into don't let life happen to you because you can maybe decide that you want to start a family just because all you're in the period of your life where everyone else around you, all your peers are are starting a family, and that feels like the right thing to do. So I, I think that's a very important point to underscore because we're we're gonna to touch on this, but actually this is the next important next point, and I'll, I'll go with it. But it's important. Um, it's important to have that. Why?
1: Yeah. So you, you, you will know why you're having a family, uh, when that switch goes off, right? You you don't, don't let someone convince you that, that you should, you should start a family before you get too old. Like if you haven't, if, if you and your life partner's switch has not gone off and you haven't gotten this urge to start a family, don't let someone convince you it's a good idea because you, you'll be miserable. (laughs)
0: So, um, the next point is similar to the last one, but how is not important as why?
1: So the, the why you will figure out how, so necessity, I believe is the mother of invention. You will figure out how, how is easy. Just make sure why you're having a family, why you're starting a family, why, like, answer the why. Don't worry about how you, okay. So, let's just say you're a, a husband and wife and you both think minimum wage and you want to have five children. Well, there is some math that comes into this, and you're not, your how is going to be impossible to overcome with that kind of math, right? It's going to be a, a legacy of poverty, right? So, you want to have some income potential in your future you need or a plan to develop your income you you need some i'm gonna say you need an average income in our country at a minimum to to comfortably raise a family
0: and i think the how gonna be how are we going to support this family how are we
1: going yeah so if you have an uh, an average income you'll figure out how you will either cut your expenses You'll make the sacrifices necessary to provide for your children. You might work an extra job. You might educate yourself and get a promotion. You'll you necessity will be the mother mother invention. You will you will figure it out because you have to figure it out. We are resourceful people. That's what we do. That's how we got to the top of the food chain. But if you go into this with like no, you're making minimum wage. You got no upside. Like no skills to. That you know of that are going to get you above that, having children and then trying to pursue education at that time—that's really hard. You know that that how becomes really, really, really hard. So I, I think you need you need an, an average income or the the realistic promise of an average income in your future.
0: So it's really that fine line between starting a family and not having everything quite figured out and then a fine line between being realistic towards the fact that you can't figure everything out.
1: Like when I had children and I knew I wanted to educate them and I also wanted to raise them in a home that I owned. Like I I didn't want a rental property where we we could be evicted or uh, I just wanted a backyard. I wanted my kids to have their own rooms. So I, I knew what I, I, I could quickly figure out what I needed to do to get to there. Right, I had the earning potential. I had education behind me. I quickly put the pieces in place.
0: And speaking to that point, I think I think it's important to highlight that you you've mentioned before that the risks that you've taken and the decisions decisions that you've um, made or not made since having your family has. Has, has has kind of had an impact. Um, I know you wanted to raise them in a, the same town without moving, and and that might have impacted with your, what, what jobs you had. You've mentioned that in the past.
1: Well, children are a blessing and a curse. I watched this in, uh, this um special on Netflix with Garth Brooks, and he he does this thing with his hands, and he he says, you know, his career was a blessing and a curse at the same time. Well, for my for me, children have been a blessing and a curse at the same time. So. The curse side is they, they, they cost a lot of money. The, the blessing side is I figured out how to make a lot of money to support them. And I, I'm convinced I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't earn the money I earn today if I didn't have to have a family to support. I would have found an easier path. I, I would have not pushed so as hard as I did to get to the income level I'm at if I didn't need to. If I didn't have to, if mother was if necessity wasn't mother of invention, if I didn't have to figure out how to make more money to support a family of five, I wouldn't have. I, I'm not lazy. I just there would have been no motivation. I'm just not wired that way. But now I'm an empty nester, and uh, I make a great income, and I, I don't have any expenses to go with it that I used to. So to say kids are expensive, I, I have I probably have as much disposable income at this point in my life, is I would have had I not had children and not pursued uh, employment opportunities like I did because I needed to. So it really, it really, and, and I paid my house off in, in, in 15 years. I might have paid my house off in 25 or 30 years because I could, you know, there was no motivation, no urgency to do anything different. So that's the blessing that the children offer in that they motivate you to do things you wouldn't otherwise do.
0: I love that. And that really kind of speaks to um, one of the questions that Spencer had mentioned about um, what changes and what should stay the same. So that's kind of, like you said, a blessing and a curse. So the next point in this one, this one I love, it is, so this is the, th- the kind of the third um, child's raising cost myth is that you are doing this for your children versus um, doing things because of your children.
1: And this is a very fine line that you can, you can skew in a hurry. Like, I mean, you can, you can get into a, a so here's something me and my wife did. So we, before children, we loved camping. We we're just outdoors people. We love camping. And so we had children and we thought, well, we, we can't take newborns camping, but we'd like to get camping as soon as we can. So we thought, well, we'll buy a, like a, a trailer, like that young kids, you could, you could maybe camp better in a trailer than, we like tenting, but with kids, we thought it might be better in a trailer. So we looked at some brand new, you know, $30,000 trailers and said, you know, it's for the kids. (laughs) You know, it really is. And, And these, these two and a half year olds, they didn't know whether they were in a tent or a trailer. Honestly, they, they would have no recollection to this day. They still don't know the camping trips we took them on at that age. They don't remember them. So this and so we ended up buying a used pop-up tent trailer and it worked pretty well we were able to go camp actually camping with two and a half year olds is pretty miserable work so but by the time they got to be three or four it got better so the pop-up tent trailer worked and we got a used one i bought it off somebody i knew i got it for next to nothing i sold it for more than i bought it for so it, it was it was a a brilliant purchase for me but the, here's the the one I see, I talk to a lot of people that this, I, I, I actually work with somebody who just had a, a child one one. So they got one daughter and um they were driving. They, he had a Honda civic it was the car he was driving and I see him pull into the parking lot. This is last year in a brand new, you guessed it $65,000 truck. I'm guessing it costs at least $65,000 trucks. There was more Chrome on that thing than the space shuttle. Like it was just, it was high end truck. And, uh, I said, "Wow, nice truck!" He says, "Yeah, I had, had to get something to <laughs> for my my daughter. You know, we had to haul that stroller around. <laughs> you know, you I would dare finding a stroller that might fit in the trunk of a Honda Civic, but you need a truck for that. But uh, anyway, he he said he bought that truck for his daughter, and he 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 bought it. He 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 could even try to convince me he bought it." because of his daughter. I'm not bu- I'm not buying either of those stories, but he didn't buy it for his daughter. He bought it because of his daughter, but he didn't even need that. So in the trailer I bought, that that wasn't for my children. It was because of my children cuz I didn't want to deal with camping with children in a tent. It just looked like even more work, right? So I was I wasn't afraid of work, but I was afraid of that much work. So if you think about the things you do for your children when they're young, like, like I'm going to say from zero to two and a half, is you change their diapers and you feed them. That's what you're doing for your children. Everything else you're doing is because of your children. That is, if you bought a new house, it isn't for your child. They're fine in the crib in your in your bedroom. Like they're they're managing quite well. If you bought a you know 2,700 square foot four bedroom McMansion, you, you did that because of your children. That's that, if you want to sell yourself a story, that's the story you're, I don't even buy that story, but if you want to sell your story, you did it because of your children, not for your children. It's easy to say I did this for my children because you can just wipe that slate clean, right? No one's judging me. I did this for my children. And that is okay. The rant's over.
0: (laughs) Sitting up here laughing. Uh, Yeah. And I, I think, You know what? You know, what the problem with that is, is that we would do anything for our children. So I think as a, as a parent, as as parents, we, we, I'm sure everyone would do anything for their children. So that is, that is why that's such a slippery slope to, to walk down.
1: And, you know, this is a mistake you generally have to make yourself. No, I won't be able to convince you of this and your parents and everybody else who had kids before you won't convince you of this for your first child, your new, your first new first child is secondhand toys are a great thing for children. Like, okay, it, it, okay, the things they're going to put in their mouth, you might want to go with new. Secondhand clothes are great for newborns. Mm. There's no way my, okay, I, I start with twins, so this is devil me. There's no way my newborn children are playing with somebody else's cast-off toys Just knock that. That was the mindset I went with, and I'm not putting hand-me-down clothes on my brand new children. (laughs) There's no way, right? And but by the time I got to my my third child, which was my second born, uh, there was nothing new on that kid ever, right? And she was just as happy and content as the other two. It just cost me uh, uh, probably a tenth of the money. Baby clothes are outrageously expensive tiny garments like the tiny amount of material they cost just as much like I remember buying my kids uh Nike running shoes they couldn't even walk (laughs) but you know no one could convince me that this was a bad idea nobody right so I, I there's some things you can't learn from somebody else when it comes to having children and you could have smacked me in the head with a two by four as you told me these things and I still would have said you're wrong you know my kids are different. <laughs> so, the, anyway, there's there's some things you have to learn, unfortunately, on your own. But if if you are listening to this, and if you if you think secondhand baby clothes are a good idea, run with it because they are.
0: And and what is, does this philosophy also apply to traps?
1: I want to go back. So, those clothes. That you, those those brand new clothes you're putting on your kids versus secondhand, or those secondhand toys that you got from a a, a close relative who you kn- you you've seen their kid grow up with these same toys. If you think you're buying them new stuff for your child, if you're buying it, you're you're not you're not buying it for your child. You're buying it for you to m- how how it makes you feel. Those brand new clothes on that baby that they're going to wear for I don't know six weeks until they grow out of them that's, that's for That's to make you feel good. Your kid, again, the, all they want is a clean diaper, food, and a place to sleep. That's that's all they want at that age. They, they have zero other wants. And so whatever you do above those things, it's for you, not for them.
0: And I'm, I'm glad you actually mentioned that point because, and I, I, you might have experienced this as well as, as new parents, the kind of, I don't want to say judgment, but the, the perception of, of, maybe other parents around your society around you around what that should look like to be a parent and how you and what you give your children
1: well if you're worried about judgment there's just as many so all the new parents who who are brand new like you those people may be judging you for secondhand clothes but all the other people who have had kids grandparents siblings coworkers they're judging you too for buying those brand new Nike running shoes that you put on your kid. They're saying you're crazy. Like, they, So if you're concerned about being judged socially, there's more people judging you because you're putting all this brand new stuff on your kid rather than the secondhand than the, the new.
0: That's so good. And it could it, it, because... Everyone, everyone your age who's having kids at the same time doesn't know maybe any differently. They haven't had that opportunity to talk to someone else who has had kids. So I love that point.
1: So my kid, my twins are 25 years old. So 25 years ago, I remember actually maybe 24 years, 26 years ago, I remember seeing these Prego strollers and anyone who's got a child knows what a Prego stroller is. If you don't have a kid, you don't know what it is, but it's the Cadillac of strollers. And I remember saying to my wife, that's what we're going to push our kids around in. They will get nothing less than a prego stroller. And this is before I knew I was having twins. So I had twins and it turns out the prego stroller was going to cost about $1,200 and you kind of, it's a modular thing. So I would have to buy this prego stroller frame. And then I would have, cause my newborns, I'd have to buy two bassinets to go on it. So it was a double stroller. So it was, it was crazy expensive. And, and I, anyway, I'm glad I overcame that thing I needed to do for my children. You know, Like I, I didn't go down the, that rabbit hole, but I was determined that that's the stroller my kids were going to ride around in. And they actually made it quite well in a very low-end <laughs> stroller, surprisingly, like a, no head wounds or anything.
0: I'm shocked. No, I, I that's those are good examples. The tr- I mean, the truck example, I think it's, At a high level, we can if we're not emotionally invested in the sixty-five thousand dollars truck, word, and we're not attached to that truck, we can kind of see the example of how that really is is doing things because of your children and not for them. But the clothes, the toys, the stroller, those are things that we think are it's it's it it is like you said it's a very it's it's a very fine line to walk.
1: So in my generation, it wasn't the sixty-five thousand dollars truck that everyone wanted. It was the minivan. It was minivan mania. Everybody who had kids had a minivan, maybe two, right? But one may- makes more sense. Because no, no, but they were still outrageously expensive because they were in demand, right? So I, I resisted the minivan. And my, my, I had a two-door sort of sporty car. Oh, that's the first car I bought. <laughs> that was the first car I ever bought that, that I talk about in this podcast. I still had that car. And I had to get rid of that car because my kids, like as soon as their car seats turned around, their feet hit the back of our seats. So it, it physically, physically, it wasn't going to work. And I went to used car lots and shopped for a sedan, like a four-door car that was bigger. And I was shopping for a used one, of course. And there was so many, every time I went to a car lot, there was it was there was just a, a sea of minivans and then one or two cars, right, sedans. And they were rather mild. For, for whatever reason, all the cars I found couldn't work. And everywhere I went, the guy said, have you considered a minivan? And I said, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid. You know, that, that's for all the, the puppets out there that are following, you know, the Pied Piper. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I've, I've got my own plan. And finally, I had to buy a used minivan because that's all I could find. I could not find a station wagon or car. I, I didn't want to be the prototypical. So I ended up buying a really old minivan. So that was a saving grace. And it, it, was, it, it was a really good price. And I owned it for a long time, actually.
0: So that's an example where...
1: Actually, I owned, it, I owned it so long that when I finally got rid of it, my twins were able to sit in the driver's seat. And we went into this field because I actually took it to one of my in-laws. And they I don't know what they did with it, but they had a field. So I got this thing when they were in car seats, infants. And I got rid of it when they could sit in the driver's seat and drive it around this field. And I mean, I was right beside them. Trust me, it was safe. <laughs> I'm, not the, I'm not a delinquent parent. But that that's how long I had that van. So it, anyway, it worked out. But the, the $65,000 trucks were the craze. If they're the craze now, minivans were the craze back when I was having kids.
0: But that that's a good example of the fine line because they were the craze and you honestly jumped on the craze, but for practicality reasons. So obviously I, we can see that maybe a, a $65,000 truck isn't the only option
1: today. Where are you going to put your stroller? <laughs>
0: this is true. Where do you, where do you put your stroller? Is there anything else uh, before we move on to the next uh, thing? Is there anything else that you, it's kind of a fine line as well. And I'm, I'm just thinking children's sports or children's activities, vacations. Is there anything else that comes to mind that?
1: So here's one. Yeah, here's one. So I put my son in rep hockey as a goalie, which is <laughs> outrageously expensive. Rep hockey is expensive add goaltending equipment on top of that. And it's just not any goaltending equipment. It's like shiny goalie goal thing. And then goalie camps. I, I wouldn't have pursued, um, I, like I would have stayed in the recreational sports. If I made a mistake as a parent and I almost think I was doing that. Like I was never in sports. I almost think I did that for me. And my son enjoyed it to some degree, but not not as much as all the other rep kids were like he only did it for a couple of years but I I'm glad I so I I I kind of shouldn't have put him in it to start with but I'm glad I only I only did it for like a super short period of time
0: now that's a good example and it leads, I, I, it leads me to something that I think is important to ask is now that your children are grown adults and and you've kind of went kind of wiped your hands away my hands are now um of of kind of that that those formative childhood years looking back in terms of taking going on trips and and just experiences in general we we know that you obviously you you talk all the time about kind of those camping vacations you talk about here in the podcast all the time and is there those are obviously a lower cost option than going on uh, trips across the world yeah yeah you know where
1: i'm going (laughs) So we never took any of the kids activities too seriously. So if they tried it and they didn't like it maybe cuz it got a little challenging, we'd push them a little bit cuz you know maybe you get past the hump and it gets f- easy and fun. And if we got past that hump and they still didn't like it, we just abandoned the activity. So we didn't we didn't force that upon them.
0: But is there anything that you so you, I'm going to say you went a you did a lot of things frugally in in terms of vacationing. I'm going to throw them on the table. Well,
1: we did Disney, so that's not that's not too frugal. Disney, Disney, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> and we we went to the East Coast, so we we did some traveling. So
0: yeah, no, you did do some traveling, but I'm just I'm for any parent right now that's kind of deciding between option A or option B. Do you think your children were I'm using quote terror just their childhood was shaped differently because they didn't get to go on experience A do you, like just things like that, like just to kind of a uh, something for our parents right now who are just wondering they want to give their children the best and are wondering if they opt for the more inexpensive option, will they be robbing their child of something?
1: I, I think if you end up doing things you can't afford with your children and it bankrupts you, I think your child will have a miserable existence in some other aspect of their life. Just so, just say you. You take them every year on the most expensive vacation, uh, international travel every year. But the 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 other fifty two weeks or fifty weeks of the year, you're scraping pennies off the floor just to buy groceries and clothes. I mean, does that really enhance your your child's experience? Right. And then if you're if you like if you never it's it's all about balance. If you never go on vacation. Because you're, you're really about building this wealth, or you, you bought a house that's more than you can afford, and you never go on vacations, but you live in this great big lavish home. Is your kid suffering in another way because they never got to go on vacation? So I think it's all about finding the right balance. And I, I think it's important to look at your childhood. And this is how me and my wife did it. We, we looked at what was missing in our childhood, right? And also what we enjoyed about our childhoods, right? So my wife grew up in a large family and talks fondly of of her siblings and, and all the fun things they did because it was they were such a large group. So we didn't have a family as large as hers, but we, we I had a family of three children. So whenever we went places, we seemed to look like a lot of people. <laughs> we we were always welcomed, I think. But and then we, we tried to avoid the things we didn't like as a child and, you know, bringing the things we did. So I think you, if you reflect on your own childhood, you can sort of use that as a guiding post for your children's upbringing.
0: No, I really like that. And, it, it, and you brought up a question that I, I, I want to ask, and it is around your children kind of seeing the way you lead your financial life based on your decisions. So, how heavily do you think your children At what age do you think your children started to really perceive um, and and, and understand the financial choices and actions you were taking um, and and really how that kind of formed your, the financial, kind of the financial um, arena that you were operating within as a household?
1: So when I sent my kids off to college and university, I asked them to live like a student and I in turn lived... Frugally myself, so I didn't send my kids off to university and college, and ask them to live like a student. While I jet setted around the world and and drove uh, luxury brand cars and renovated my whole house top to bottom, and lived in the lap of luxury, I asked them to live like a student, and I too was going to live not like a student, but <laughs> but I was going to live frugally here while we were cash flowing this because we were doing this together, and I think. Of all the financial education my kids got, oddly enough they they got the most enlightenment when they were three or four hours away from home, understanding that we were both doing the same thing. you know, there was a bit of suffrage going on at both ends and, and I think they both they understood that more if, actually in physically not being here just coming for Christmas and the holidays and stuff while you're away at school, and getting a feel for what sacrifices. We're going on at my end to match the sacrifices they were making at their end.
0: I That approach is just, I love it because it's the really in it together uh, mentality where everyone can get behind that. So that's, I'd, I I really love that. Um, I want to talk now about the next point in our child-raising cosmos. This, this list again is going to be followed by the cost considerations of having children. So the next uh, child-raising cosmos I want to talk about is um waiting until you can afford to have children
1: so unless you're like at the bottom end of the earning scale like minimum wage i don't believe in waiting until you can afford to have like so a lot of people do they wait till they're all set up in life and these are the people that have to start having children in their 40s and the downside to that is you're going to be uh you know launching your kids in your late 50s early 60s that's that's challenging. I think your energy level depletes dramatically. I, I know I'm in my mid fifties, and I already don't think I could manage a teenager at this point. So th- that's the downside of waiting till you can afford to have children. And and the, here's the other side that people don't realize: is the longer you wait, the more established your life gets. And I'm going to give an example. Just say you you're you. you Graduate from school, you're like 23, 24 years old, and then you you kind of live on your own. You get married and you live with your partner, and you know, ten maybe for ten years passes, and then you say you have children. Well, there's a lot a lot of changes going on over that period. But once you get to say your late 20s, you start to get set in your ways, you know, and you're used to reading the newspaper if they existed anymore. <laughs> Or pulling out your phone and reading the news for an hour every morning while you eat breakfast on a Saturday. That's that's just what you do. And nobody's getting in the way of that. Like you've been doing this for years. Everyone just knows, don't bother me. I'm doing this. Well, when you have children, all your, you're like a newborn doesn't care when you read the news. They, they want to be fed when they want to be fed, they want their diapers changed when they want to be changed it becomes harder to care about something other than yourself. It, it takes more of a shift. You got more changes to make. And I think waiting till you can afford to have children, meaning waiting till you're more established in life, there's a cost to that. You you get, you, you know, there's another expression. When you have kids, you can't have nice things. <laughs> well, if you get to the time you're 40, you've probably, you know, furnished your home with nice things. Well, those kids are going to destroy your nice things. So there, there's another downside to waiting until you can afford to have kids. So I say waiting to, have kids, waiting to afford to have kids, wait until you're fully established in life, meaning you, you've got the beautiful home, you've got the luxury cars, you know, you, you've, you've bought your sports car and got bored of it already, like you've, you've, you've gone through the whole cycle. Now, you know what, let's give kids a try. You know, that I think is a flawed approach.
0: And I think this question is, I think, so key. Or this this myth that we just reviewed is, is so key because I think I think in life there there's always those questions: Can is this a good decision? Is this a good um, career path to pursue? Is this a good job opportunity to take on? Is this a life changing, monumental, can't return decision we're about to make? One that we can actually afford because once you, you it's the, the decision you just cannot do. So you speak with a lot of confidence saying that if the it's not about the how you'll make this work it's about the why and your kids being the why but are do you only feel that confident that you will find a mate a way to make kids work and it doesn't matter if you haven't really figured out how you can afford them yet do you only feel that confident because you're here now or did you feel that confident then
1: so once the switch goes off and you're about to participate in sustaining the human race (laughs) you you know that so it sounds like you're you have not had that switch go off and and So if you're questioning that, then continue to question it until you want to participate in the sustaining of the human race and you want to have children and family starts to mean, It it kind of starts with you start to feel um, searching for meaning in your day-to-day life, and and it kind of starts to bleed. That's how I recall it happening to me. And it starts to sort of bleed in and thinking um, you start to observe children more and people who have children more and, and ask them what, you know, so what are you up to this weekend? And you understand how full their lives are. And when you start seeing it that way, rather than all the obstacles children represent, you start to see the fullness that they bring into one's life. That's when you know you're on the path to having children.
0: The last point in this list is um, the actual cost of raising a child. And it's uh, it's it feels high.
1: So I found this stat on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> I can't imagine it not being true, but uh, it said it costs in Canada between ten and $15,000 per year to raise a child. I can't imagine how you would do the math on this. Would you figure out how much groceries you would have bought if it wasn't for these damn kids <laughs> and how much groceries I would have bought because of these damn kids? Like, and of course, I wouldn't have bought the $65,000 truck if I didn't have to haul the stroller around, right? So add that cost to it. Like, I don't know how you figure out the cost of raising kids. But I can tell you this. I know people who have chosen not to have kids, and I'm not, I don't judge anybody, but they, they didn't have kids. But they have found a way to spend ten dollars to $15,000 a year on just stuff. <laughs> I mean, these are the, the people uh, that they they have a triple car garage. There's just two of them. They got a triple car garage and they still got cars in the driveway. There's cars in the garages. Like, they're car crazy, right? And they have, what was he said? He's got six, no, five televisions, five TVs, and not small. Like, they're big TVs. He's got one in his bathroom. He's got a bathroom TV. But so so my, the point I'm trying to make is people without children, they'll if, so if you have children, you, you obviously you're not buying two-seater sports cars and you're not buying... Five TVs, probably. Maybe you are, but I, I wouldn't. But you're you're buying practical things or things for your children. If you didn't have kids, you will find a way to spend this money. It's it's. it's so I, I think even I would have like. Or back to my other point, you'll find an easy path to earning a living that doesn't earn you as much money. So you, you're going to take one of the two paths. You're either going to make a lot of money and spend a lot of money, or you're going to uh, this us assuming you don't have kids or you're going to make just enough money because there's just, just the way you're wired and not spend much money. Like I, I think at the end of the day, you don't have any more money left in your bank account. When I say at the end of the day, end of your working career, I believe I'm going to have more money because I had kids because of that curse and blessing thing where I pursued a higher paying job because I had to. And now I have the luxury of that higher paying income when I don't actually need it. So I, I think, you can't do math on how much it costs to raise kids. I I can't imagine how you do that math, but I'm going to say you're not going to end up with any more money at the end of the day. Chances are.
0: And it, kind of grasping onto that question, and in, in relation to the one we received from um, Spencer and his and his uh, context mission form when so when you first kind of started your family when you when you kind of were holding two two newborn twins in your in your arms there one day like or not really one day but you didn't have it was just you and your wife and then all of a sudden you have kind of there's four of you in the family now so your expenses I'm sure your income didn't double the second they were born, but all of a sudden the expenses didn't, I know that you did buy things prior to the children arriving as well. That is a thing, um, to prepare for them, but you, what big changes, what, what stayed the same and what changed? Because I, I, I want to add to that when you're, if, if you start a family younger than 40, 30, if you're in your twenties, it's generally your, your lowest kind of income earning period as well. So how, what kind of stayed the same and, and what changed anything noticeably? Well, mentioned?
1: So you you now so now I'm buying diapers right, yeah. and lots of them because so I have twins. But I used to go to see the movie I, like we used to go to the show every Friday night with friends and out for dinner and a show. Well, okay, you you haven't got the time anymore. You can't just leave your twins at home and your nobody's looking after infant twins. Just just so you know. <laughs> um, so I got this ed, extra expensive diapers, but I I was spending way more on movies and in in dinner out and um shopping sprees to the mall and things that where you just don't have the energy or the time to do that anymore so it, it it's different that way like you you end up shifting your focus
0: no that makes sense it just kind of the i like that it's a perfect way of actually shifting your focus so i want to move on to talking about this this is the second and last section of this episode today the cost consideration of having children so again it's also uh kind of is a question that spencer brought up in his uh submission to us it was kind of like what are what are the rough costs that we can look forward to not look forward to but to <laughs> expecting well yeah well we have children um and kind of any hidden or surprise expenses so i i'm really curious to hear about in general some hidden and surprise expenses um but the the first kind of cost consideration that is primary to talk about early on in life is um daycare for stay-at-home parents
1: so this was an easy one for us as having twins. It was a no-brainer. Uh, one of us was going to stay home to raise these these kids, but that actually, you know what? That was a a blessing and a curse. Those twins, they really were a a, a blessing. Those
0: darn twins.
1: In, in that we didn't have to wrestle with the decision, and you know, a lot of people just okay. If you send your child to daycare, a lot of people would do it to protect their jobs, right? So if if just say you have a a job and it's a really good company and you want to stay home and raise your children for five or six years, well, you're giving up that really good job. That that in that, maybe that you don't find another opportunity like that, right? So I'm not judging anybody who does send their kid to daycare, but daycare, I don't know. We never did send our kids to daycare because, again, we had twins and then a the third one. And even if we wanted to do math on it, um, we 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 actually were leaning toward one of us staying home, and my wife stayed home to raise the children. But that's a huge expense. It is something to consider and and I think being engaging in family planning, you really need to assess your strategy here. If you're going to be a stay- at home parent, you're obviously giving up uh, income, right? and if you're if you're both going to work, you're gonna pay a ton in daycare. like it is expensive. So, in, in planning a family, you, you have to decide what you're going to do. And I, so here's, so we just had to stay with my parents. So if you can figure out how to get by on one income, and I can honestly say that in the middle of it, it seems like it's a lifetime, but my my wife stayed home for about 18 years to raise our children. And now in my late mid fifties, those eighteen years were just a slice of my life. There was just a moment in my life. It wasn't. It, it was this this small window. I'd make that sacrifice seven days a week. Looking back, but I know when you're, if you're like twenty eight years old and you you have children, and you got to decide. You know, eighteen years. That that's almost like half. You know, you've 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 lived twenty eight years. You don't remember all the twenty eight, but you've been an adult for, say, ten. And then you're saying, okay, I got to, the next, you know, 18 years, I, I, we're going to live on half an income. That's going to be, that feels like a lifetime, but I can honestly say what it did for me is it, it enabled me to pursue in, 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 in sort of pour myself more into work in, in, in a, in a way to earn a higher income. So that that's, so I, I, Not that I didn't persist, I participated a lot in the child raising activities, but I wasn't doing like a lot of the day to day grind stuff that my wife was. So I could work late, I could, I could pursue that promotion, like I could pour myself more into my work, in an effort to make more money. So that that's one way of looking at it. So a stay at home parent is a strategy worth considering, but if you're planning a family you don't want to plan on too many if you can't afford the daycare.
0: A couple two things from there. One I, I'll mention first is you've mentioned in the past how that that having your your wife stay at home to to look after was kind of this lever that you could pull this income lever that you could eventually pull.
1: Yeah, so we well, so but the the plan we we figured out how to get by on just my income and it, we used it all, like pretty much all of it when when we were, the kids were young in my, in, in those years. And now my wife went back out to work and we said, well, funny, we didn't need that extra money for the last 20 years. Why do we all of a sudden need it now? So think of our savings rate. It's outrageous, right? We're saving a ton of money. It, it, so that's the, the blessing like the, the, that we figured out how to get by on a single income. And once you figure it out and you do it, it it it, okay. Just say it hurts a little at the beginning, the adjustments you have to make. Eventually, that just becomes life, and you just live with it, and it, it becomes easy. You figure it out. You necessity becomes a mother of invention, and you you figure out how to get by. And then w- the mistake a lot of people would make is all of a sudden become empty nesters, and you double your income, and all of a sudden you start renovating your house top to bottom and spending tons of this is what's enabling me to be financially independent at a very, I'm going to say relatively young age. And uh, if not for kids, I would have, we would have never figured this out. We would have figured out how to survive on two incomes and no kids. We would have figured that out. Yeah. That would have been the math we were working with. And chances are, we would have spent all of that money or or most of it, or, you know, had a modest savings rate.
0: And I, I, this is a little off topic asking this question, but, You, so you kind of made some sacrifices, lived a little bit frugally during that uh, short time period where your kids were off at school, but as soon as became kind of empty nesters and that responsibility was, was kind of done with why, or or what were the, what were the feelings around continuing to the saving rate? Is it just because you are, um, you were nearing and close to your goal of financial independence or how did you, how did you not start celebrating um, with the money that was left over?
1: Well, we always had this dream of early financial independence. So that, that, that was always in the works, right? When we figured out we could pay a house off in 15 years, we, that was a motivation that we could do anything, like the mindset, right? So the, we kind of, before our kids started school, we kind of knew when, when my wife went back to work, we were just going to be banking all that money.
0: So really, yeah, those kids definitely were, that mindset of having a family is a blessing and curse. One question I want to ask you around career income earning and raising a family, and I think this is one that comes up quite often, I'm going to throw the terminology work-life balance, it's definitely pretty huge in maintaining, and for you, you said that you did kind of really dive into work in order for, for that kind of the primary purpose of building your income, and I that almost kind of leaches back into the doing for your children or because of your children. And so where's that? What kind of advice would you have for other parents who are kind of balancing that right now, feeling guilt for not being at home with their kids more, but also trying, but also wondering if they're doing the right thing, pursuing the right career and, and, and the hours that they're putting to the work. Is it worth it? And what, what are your thoughts on all of that?
1: So I took great comfort in knowing that when I was going to work, um, I, my family was in the midst of packing up to go on a picnic or going to the beach. So my wife was getting all this stuff together, and they were going to go uh, to the beach for the day. And so as a working parent, I took great comfort in knowing that my children and their mom were at the beach having the time of their lives, right? And I could enjoy that with them on the weekends, but I took great comfort in knowing that's what they were doing, and I I was making that partly possible by working.
0: True, that's that's a great point. You weren't directly there that day on that picnic, but you, because of the how hard you were pushing yourself at work, I was
1: making that possible.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's that's. uh, I haven't. I never thought of that that narrative in that way.
1: And when I went to every single one of my kids' sporting events, and the way that worked is, as soon as I got home from work, I didn't have to make supper. I didn't have to help the kids with homework. I just had to take the kid, my kids to their hockey game. Like that that's that was that's what I and then my wife actually got a break from the kids cuz I took them all to the hockey game. So I got to do that and not have to worry about all the other child-raising responsibilities in the meantime. So the division of duties, we both understood we were working together, but we had our roles.
0: And and I love too as well that 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 setup that you and your wife had was very deliberate. I mean, you, you you very deliberately created that lifestyle to be able to do those things and 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 arrange a life like that. and i I think again, that goes back to the whole point of today's episode in family planning. Um, the next cost consideration of having children is accommodations.
1: so this is a mistake I made. So I had three children. so I, I, want, I was determined I had a bedroom of my own as a kid, And I was determined that each of my kids would have their own bedroom. So I bought a home that had four bedrooms. And looking back, I think they would have survived if two of them had to share a room so i I look back and think of the number of years I actually needed the house the size I live in, and it was incredibly short so obviously you don't need every kid doesn't need their old bedroom when they're infants right so I, I I could have got a I could have got away with a smaller three bedroom home. I figured I needed this four-bedroom home for about seven years that's what I figured total if I look back at when when it pivotably made a difference right it's those teenage years it's those just preteen, teenage years that's when you you need the space and it is incredible small window of time would it have it changed their upbringing I don't know but I, I look back and think I could have got by with a smaller house and who knows I might have paid that off in 10 years
0: Yeah, no, that's, and that's a kind of a key one too. And you, you mentioned too, that you wanted to raise them, your kids in one town. Um, it was one house a part of that.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. That was the, uh, I, so here's a legacy I was given. So my dad, his parents moved him every couple of years he had to move because his, his, my grandfather's job had him moving a lot. So he moved every couple of years, never actually finished, uh, quite often, didn't finish the school year even so he he, in the middle of the school year so he and he says that was very hard on a kid super hard so i i my parents moved the year i graduated from high school so the year i graduated my parents moved the very next like that year so they were waiting for me to finish high school before they moved and i didn't know they wanted to move they never mentioned it but as soon as i graduated that house went up for sale and they moved and I, I thank them all the time for that. And in turn, m- my kids, this is the only house they know. They, they don't even remember moving here. They were so young. So they don't even know another house. So I, I think I, I matched what my dad did and maybe just did a little bit further. So I would expect my children, to, I hope they offer their children that same legacy.
0: The next uh, cost consideration of having children is transportation.
1: Well, this one's easy. You need a sixty-five thousand dollars truck if you are going to have kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the, don't even start if you if you can't get one. If you don't have one of those, you are wasting your money. no. You need you, your kids. Your kids don't care what you drive. They don't care. Maybe when they're sixteen, actually, you know what? If it's just if it's if it's a, a motorized vehicle, they they probably don't. I I don't even. Okay, I didn't care what my parents drove, even when I had to drive their car. So I learned how to drive in it. I just thought it's awesome. It's a car, right? I get to drive a car. I didn't care what kind of car it was. I don't think your kids ever care what you drive. So you're n- don't ever, ever think you're buying something, a piece of transportation for your children. They don't care. You're, you, whatever you buy that's beyond basic transportation, that's for you. It's not even because of your children. Well, it might be because of your children. I needed a van. I needed space, right? So, but um, I would say this is a spot they can, and and kids, kids are, they are car destroyers. (laughs) They, you can take a perfectly clean child, no food on them at all that you're aware of, put them in your car, (laughs) and when you go to take them out, there is stuff spilt all over, crumbs. Where did this come from? I don't know. You never handed them a single morsel of food, but there's crumbs everywhere. Kids will destroy the interior of a car. That is a fact. That just happens. And I don't care how diligent you are. I I was a real particular about clean cars, and I could not keep my cars clean with kids. So they will destroy a car. So if you're doing yourself a disservice by getting a a brand new car and putting kids in it, it's just going to be a dumpster.
0: And I think just to backtrack to accommodations, I think the same thing can be probably said about um, the house that you live in as well. And the fact that um, kids need homes, not houses um, and, and a space to just have a roof over their head.
1: Yeah. Well, they need a place where they feel safe and comfortable. And I think everyone needs a, a space they can call their own. It doesn't have to be a whole room. It can be part of a room, but they need a space where they can display gifts. I I don't know. I, I think my kids would have been fine without their own rooms, but you kind of need.
0: But I'm saying they don't notice, they're not going to notice the marble countertops.
1: Oh yeah. Granite countertops. Uh, the, uh, kids, they they hold their heads in shame if, if you've got laminate countertops. I mean, that is scarring. No, you, kids don't care what your kitchen made. In fact, it goes back to the car thing. Okay. you If you have a really nice new renovated home and young kids, that they can be hard on houses too.
0: Yeah. You can't have nice things. Um, so the next piece in a cost consideration of having children is food and hygiene.
1: So this is a real cost. So you have kids and by the time you get to teenagers, your grocery bills are outrageous. I remember shopping with my infants, going grocery shopping at twins. And I've seeing seen this, this family pushing these two they had two grocery carts. I, I didn't realize they were to, they were together until they got to the register and they just, they loaded both carts onto the conveyor belt and we ended up being behind them and I said, Holy smokes, there must be a party going on. And then they overheard me and my wife talking and they said, No, we got two teenage boys. <laughs> this is what it looks like. Get used to it. And I can tell you, you you could go through a lot of groceries, a lot of food with teenagers. That is a real cost. Infants, a ton of diapers. I mean, these are real costs. Like diapers, everyone says this. When I don't have to pay for diapers, I'm going to just pocket that money. Trust me, it goes somewhere else. And then, you know, birthdays and Christmas, these things, they they consume a lot of money. But food is that thing that's just constantly there. It, it is a real live expense. And it, it that, that's the one, you know, where it says it costs ten to $15,000 to raise a kid. Okay, so I, I remember before we had kids, it's too long ago to use that grocery bill as a reference point. But when we became empty nesters, you can quickly go back, you know, five years and say, what were we spending on groceries and, and figure just how much that was costing you. And kids are, they, teenagers especially, actually, no, all kids, huge wasters of food. Like, they don't understand. I mean, and you, you'll spend a lifetime teaching this, and I did. I, I never gave up on how to not be wasteful with food. There would be things left on the counter that would, you know, a jug of milk, it would spoil. Um, things would be put in the fridge at the back and, or here's, okay, here's the worst. You know you're a parent when you buy a bunch of bananas, okay, you go shopping and, and the next day they're all gone. <laughs> so you go back to the grocery store and you buy two bunches of banana and they all turn black because none of your kids eat them. That's the kind of thing that happens with kids. You, you can't figure out what it is they like and don't like and what they want to eat and don't eat. Of course, there's some things you force them to eat because it's good for them, but then uh, their taste change. It it kids are they're not efficient with food,
0: and it sounds a little bit unpredictable as well. When I, I just want to touch on this point quickly, uh, when it comes to grocery shopping um, on a budget, grocery shopping freely, how how heavily was Helping your kids be mindful of the cost of food and cost of groceries um, come into play when it came to your family.
1: So we played this game every time we went to a grocery store. Is we start with we, the whole family always came. Everybody had to come on the grocery trip because nobody was going to tell me there's nothing to eat. That conversation was never happening. So everybody came grocery shopping, like it or not. We're all going, and when we're in line, we would all sit there and guess on the price of the groceries. You know, there's a cart full of groceries. What do you think it costs? And total. the total bill. And they started it. They were terrible. Like they, they would say like seven dollars. <laughs> if this costs seven dollars, you know, we're we'll running to the car because they forgot to put something through. So we ended up. You do it enough times, and they start to get a feel for the, You know, this grocery cart is about three hundred dollars worth of food, right? So we'd be going. You know, it, it would always start out three hundred, three twenty five. It was the closest without going over. But we played the game just to pass time in line. But it was a real education of how much this costs. And the older they got, the more dialed in they got to the value of money. And they started to understand that this was a real expense. And I think maybe subconsciously they become less wasteful with food, possibly.
0: uh, I I really like that. It's a great way to uh, educate while bringing in a fun spin. And the next piece on the cost consideration of having children is a huge one, education and life experiences.
1: So we talked about education and the legacy that you can create, but education, I think this is my view and you don't have to accept it if you don't want it, but I feel that if I didn't educate my children and prepare them for life that way, I would feel at at a very least a subconscious level, the need to help them financially throughout their life. But if I gave them a solid education and a solid start, I mean, I'm not going to abandon them, but I don't feel an obligation to continue to support their lifestyles because they don't make much money. I'm going to say that is a choice. If, if I gave them the tools to survive in the world, then it's on them to exploit those tools and do something to generate an income, to create a comfortable life for yourself. That's my now, if you if just say they chose something they got educated and it didn't work out and they go after a second piece of education, you might help them with that, but maybe not to the degree you help them with the first piece of education. But at the end of the day, I almost educated my kids for a selfish reason. I can sleep at night knowing I gave my kids the tools. I believe I gave them the tools to survive in this world. And that I did for me as much as I did for them.
0: Because there is that saying, I, 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 I'm sure you've said it on here in the podcast before, but um, when it comes to kind of post-secondary education, if we use that as an example, is uh, it, it really is kind of the ticket into the interview. So you can kind of sleep sound at night knowing that you've given them that opportunity.
1: Yeah, quite often your education is, is at the very least, the admission to an interview. And if even if that's what I, all I gave them, it's on them to perform in the interview,
0: and you've gotten them that far. And um, there's a I'm I'm gonna butcher this. So I'm not even gonna attempt the fish analogy, but if you can throw that out there for our listeners,
1: yeah, if if you can you can give somebody a fish and feed them for a day, or teach them how to fish and feed them for a lifetime.
0: And that that reminds me of the education, um, life experiences. Is there anything that really comes to play for this one?
1: I think you have to think. Sp- a lot of times the things that stick in your kids' formative years are not the Disney trips. You know, it's, so we took our kids on a whitewater rafting ride down the Ottawa River. And don't worry, it was the family version. It wasn't the adventure version. But uh, we took them on that. And we talk about that trip so fondly. It is, it was a, a bonding experience. Like, I think they really thought they might live or die on this rafting trip. I think at the age they were at, I think they thought they they made it right. They they didn't they didn't know if they were going to make it or not, right? But trust me, (laughs) I'm not delinquent. It was the family version. But our our raft guide he made it super adventure sounding. Like he made it sound like every rapid we're coming to, he's saying, "Okay, if you don't make it over this one, you know, uh, just." Let leave the ones in the water just hold on save yourself right <laughs> and, and and we'll worry about the people that don't make it later like he, he played up the adventure more than it was and uh but we talk about that and it, it, it wasn't outrageously expensive it was only and it actually it was one day it was a day-long event and we talk about that all the time we drove out to the east coast once and we camped and actually camping my kids talk so fondly about camping we went on a canoe trip we talk about that canoe tr- a couple of canoe trips but we talk about them a lot the trip we went to disney that one we don't talk about much it really doesn't get the airplay that if the financial costs would suggest it should right it, we don't we don't drone on and on about the rides we went to disney in fact i bet you my kids can barely remember the rides they went on and the things they saw so i don't I don't think you need to spend great gobs of money to entertain or enlighten or give your kid a a, a fun memory or experience.
0: That and that really goes back to what we we're talking about earlier about what is actually going to resonate with them when they're older. And so I, it's it was a great example.
1: I think the mo- the best thing you do is ex- expose your your children to a variety of things. Variety is the spice of life. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over. You know, if you go on a picnic, don't keep going to the same beach. Go to a different one. Like, Get in the car, drive an hour in a different direction. Do something different. That's what we did, and and it never got old. The focus around our house when my kids were younger was the focus on fun, and then when we had to do things like work, we just fit it in. Like, if the grass had to be cut, trust me, my neighbors told me, (laughs) the grass needs to be cut. Because we were busy bike riding, going to the park, going on picnics, going on hikes, we were doing stuff all the time. My house was falling apart around me. And the last thing I wanted to do was take time away from my family to fix it.
0: The The second last item on this list is um, the miscellaneous things, miscellaneous things, um, and things that are beyond uh,
1: So useful. Yeah. So this is a, a th- these are all the sort of, there's a bunch of things. I'm going to throw one at there called life insurance. That, that's a That's a real cost to having children you need to make sure if something happens to you or your life partner, they're provided for. So life insurance. But it all comes to thinking, thinking about beyond yourself. So prior to having children, the most important person in the world was you. <laughs> That's just the way we're wired. Then once you have children, you, uh, you're just a fixture in this, this whole movie. You're, you're not the most important thing. You're not the star of the movie anymore. Your children are. And so when you're thinking about what to do, um, you know, the house you're gonna live in, it, it's not about you. It's like here's one. We we I bought a house on a quiet street. And that quiet street was so my kids could learn to ride their bikes on it, we could play road hockey on it, those kind of things. This is crazy, but I wanted a house that had a relatively flat driveway, not one of these steep, you know, I've seen houses that have an incredibly steep driveway because my kids, you know, they they ride their bikes on the driveway or the tricycles or they do things on that driveway. A, a house with a backyard. I, I want, I hate cutting grass. To this day, I hate cutting grass, but I wanted a large yard for my kids to play in. So these are things you, 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 you think about things beyond yourself. So it's, I mentioned life insurance. That's the one that stuck to me. Life insurance really, you don't need much of it if you don't have a children, if you don't have any dependents. Like if it was just me and my wife, my wife has a, a, uh, a job with a good income. I have a job with a good income. If something happened to one of us and just say we never had kids, well, the other would be able to survive quite fine, right? Like just the way our incomes worked out. So, uh, but when you have children, like obviously they can't support themselves. You need to put something in place for them.
0: And kind of in line with this, and, and just to bring up the last question in uh, Spencer's email, was there anything that truly surprised you? Any hidden expenses or surprising surprising expenses that you weren't expecting that were more expensive than you thought, or or maybe something that you put more money into than you would you, you should have or would have liked to?
1: So I mentioned this earlier, but the thing the 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 surprise I got out of having children was figuring out how to live frugally. Well, they were. I was raising these kids, and in exploiting those frugal behaviors and traits as an empty nester, and ha- being able to save at, at such an alarming rate, my t- t- for early for retirement, it, that I was never counting on that. I wasn't counting on having this much disposable income at this point in my life. I I, I really wasn't. I knew I wanted to be financially independent, but I didn't know that's how this, I didn't know this was going to be as much of a catalyst as it is to that formula. So figuring out how to live frugal because you have to was the blessing I wasn't counting on.
0: And on that note, I think that brings us the end of today's show on the cost of having children. Um, one thing we want to add in is um, we, we've already started to receive some uh, emails in regards to the upcoming tw- 25 um, ep- series episodes that we're doing. If you have any thoughts about any of the upcoming episodes in this series or any of the past ones that we did, it's in our show notes what you can look forward to. So send us an email. Um, we'll have our email address in the show notes or a contact form submission. And again, that's on our website. That'll be in our show notes. If you have any thoughts that pertain to any of the upcoming um, at, at any upcoming episodes just make sure to put 25 things in your subject line so we'll uh, know that it's related and if you have sent an email to us at all too we are um, we've received a huge flood of emails so we are uh, just working on getting through the emails and getting back to you we have senior email we have senior contact form submission we're just working our way through getting back to you um and on that note that brings us to the end of today's episode we can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new show until then keep it simple